last few weeks, uh, we can, um, we've been, we got some feedback that they've been missing um, because some of our listeners have been not listening the last couple of weeks. And if you didn't listen last week, boy, um, you missed out on a terrific sermon by Jody Dunn. Um, And I encourage you to go um, back into our archives and listen to it because um, I know a bunch of you haven't been showing up since I haven't preached for a couple of weeks in a row. But we're here. Amen. Amen. And um, we are going to start doing some things on Facebook in the near future. Um, We're going to be putting out short video ads um, about what my upcoming sermons are going to be to help you know that, yes, I'm going to preach this week. Um, and then we can also tell you who's going to preach if we got a guest speaker. And we'll probably do some other things. We might even do a um, short video blog on um, Facebook and um, t- um, Twitter. And what's the other one? Um, uh, where do you hang out, Sarah, besides Facebook? It's... Um, Instagram, Instagram, we can use it as well. And uh, short little things because um, the, uh, the kids don't really want me to hang out on Instagram too much except to tell them I love them. And so, uh, um, because somebody needs to tell the kids that they're loved, amen? Uh, too many times we can be super critical and we don't need to be. However, we do need to share the truth of the gospel with others, amen? Today I want to talk to you about a father's love. A father's love. This is a Father's Day message today. And we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And um, we're not going to be jumping around, so if you just get your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, find verse 14, you're going to be okay. So we're going to get into the Word here in just a moment, but let us first pray. Lord, we thank you for your love that you so love the world that you gave us your only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, we love you. We glorify you. We put our trust in you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that there is no father like you. Thank you that you've adopted us as your children. And Lord, because of Jesus, we can live forevermore. We praise you for this. And I thank you for your anointing to preach this word. Let it go from here and spread to the nations, Lord. Let this anointing just get a hold of someone today. And Lord, that they would come to know you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior. Lord, let people be set free today by your word and encouraged to live for you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, that's better. It's a little warm in here. Um, praise God. Somebody's saying it's cold and I'm feeling warm. I, I want you to, I, let's get right into the Word of God here. This is such a, I, I, doesn't that look like a Father's Day slide up there? The wood grain and the ribbon going around like that. And uh, for those who are dads here today, if you didn't get your Father's Day gift, here it is. <laughs> if they forgot about you, here it is. And we're going to unwrap this today. Amen? So let's get right into it. 
father's advice, a father's advice or admonishment are not meant to shame. A father's advice or admonishment are not meant to shame. Let's see what Paul writes here. He says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. Oh my word, I don't know what's wrong with, I think it's been every generation that's come along, fathers try to warn their kids, and their kids don't want to hear it. I want to go do this. I want to go play with that thing that looks like a firecracker. I don't care, Dad, that you tell me that that's a stick of dynamite. I'm going to hold it in my hand until the fuse almost is gone. I don't think that's a good choice, son. Paul says they are for your warning, for your help. For your good. Fathers don't want what's bad for their children. They want what is good for their children. And you know what, kids? When your dad speaks, you should listen. They're not trying to keep you down. They're trying to send you warning. They're trying to do something for your good. They're trying to build you up. They, do you not understand? <clears throat> Maybe they don't. Jason and I and Tim and Hal, <laughs> we understand we want better for our kids than what we had. Who knows, Jason might want for one of his kids a trailer that you can actually drive. <laughs> Robin just wants to have a trailer that stays put. You see the difference between moms and dads? <laughs> but too many times, especially today, <coughs> young men think their fathers just want to control them, and it's not true. I was watching something. There's a, a guy just wrote a book, and it's about how he was estranged from his father. They didn't talk for 10 years. He's 25 years old, smart guy, very well-off guy, very rich guy, you know, he's done well in the markets, he's written this book, and he says, finally I sat down with my dad after 10 years of not talking to him, can you imagine? Not talking to him, and we spent eight hours talking, and I found out that my dad was pretty smart, and I was pretty dumb. <laughs> He says, it was a wonderful thing, and I found out how great my dad was. And I am so grateful that I did it. Paul points out, you only have one father. 1 Corinthians 4.15 says, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Paul says you might have 10,000 instructors, 10,000 friends telling you to do this and do that. The NIV says, 
instead of instructors, he says, the interviewee puts it this way, you might have 10,000 guardians. But they will not have the love or concern your father would. Hmm. Do you remember the Boehm boys in the Old Testament? Jeroboam and Rehoboam? <laughs> the Boehm boys? They weren't related. But one took the northern kingdom, the other got left the southern kingdom. What was wrong with that one Boehm boy? He had all these wise, bearded men telling him, your father was pretty rough on the people. Give him tax cuts. Give him tax cuts. Well, this Bowen boy wasn't very wise. He was a Democrat. <laughs> he said, you thought the taxes were bad? When my father was king. I'm going to make them worse. I'm going to double them. Well, you know what? The rest of the country was Republicans, and they all left, didn't they? Hmm. Now, if you, take that out of you, if you take that out of you, it shows you that Republicans aren't any, any more wiser than Democrats, because what did the northern kingdom do? Did they keep on worshiping in Jerusalem? Or did they set up their own sites? You see, when we get in our own wisdom, hmm, when we get in the way, we can see, seem like we're doing right, that we're being, doing the, t taking the best course. But unless we put Jesus first, we're going to make mistakes. No, what did, the, what did he do? Instead of listening to those wise men that God had given him, he listened to all his young friends. Oh, I got 10,000 advisors here. They're all my age. And they're telling me to be worse and get more whips and make the burden worse on the people and beat them and get them to do more. And the people said, oh my word, we can't take it anymore. Everybody thinks Solomon was this great guy. He was not really that wonderful. There's things about Solomon's life that was not to be emulated. Just read Ecclesiastes. He said, I tried it all. I tried drinking. That didn't work. I tried women. I had all the women you can want. I mean, he had a stable. He had redheads and brunettes and blondes. He had short women. He had tall women. He had Egyptian women. He had Jewish women. And just to round it out, he, he grabbed a bunch of girls from out in the countryside and said, I'm making you my concubines. You're going to be my lesser wives. He says in Ecclesiastes, hmm, that wasn't it. Then he tried great learning. Nope, that wasn't it. In fact, he ended up saying, vanity, vanity, all is vanity, and he finally repented of his sin in his old age. And he started out so well. You see, the problem is, we can get, we can get puffed up in our own cells. And dads try to warn their children about getting too arrogant, too puffed up, because they know you see, what you, sometimes you kids forget is your dad was young once too. He understands what it means to be young. For us who've lost dads, 
How we long to have one more conversation with them, to hear their wisdom. And you know what? You could take this passage of Scripture and relate this to our Heavenly Father. I'm glad I can still call on my, fa- my Heavenly Father and talk to Him. But last night I felt I wish I could have picked up the phone one more time and called my dad and had a good talk and wished him a happy Father's Day. But you know what? Those days are over. Job said, how can I praise you when I'm in the grave? When he was talking to God the Father. How can I praise you when, I was, when I'll be in the grave? I better praise you while I still have breath and voice to do it. Don't take granted of those you love. Don't wait ten years. Then Paul talks about flattery. He says, did you know the greatest form of flattery is imitation? What does he say in verse 16? Therefore I urge you to imitate me. That's the greatest form of of imitation. You know why Paul said elsewhere, he says, some of you are having a hard time being like Jesus. We're supposed to imitate Christ. That's what we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to be like Jesus. But some of you are having a hard time being like Jesus. So I'll tell you what, I'll make it easier on you. Just try to be like me because I'm trying to be like Jesus. And as you can see, I fail. I don't always succeed. But I'm trying to be like Jesus. So if you can't be like Jesus, try to be at least like me. And you'll get there somewhere along the way. You'll become more sanctified. You'll live like the Lord wants you to. Imitation is such a great form of flattery. Dana Carvey thought he was going to be in trouble. George Bush Sr. invited him to come to the White House. He says, oh no, he's going to be mad at me. Because I've been imitating him and make fun of him, you know. And... uh, George Sr. had him come, and they had him come into the Oval Office. Oh, no, I'm really in trouble. He's calling me into the principal's office, you know, kind of thing. And George Bush Sr. came up to him and said, Dana, I just want to tell you, I really think you're funny. But I've never said, it wouldn't be prudent, not at this juncture. <laughs> And Dana will never, says, I'll never forget how gracious he was to me. You know Donkey? <laughs> right? Who plays Donkey? Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy oh. right? Eddie Murphy, when he was younger, when he was becoming the huge megastar that he became, used to do Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood on SNL. And he would just make fun and he would come in and he put on, take off a ratty sweatshirt and put on a ratty sweater and go through all this stuff. And hello, children. Welcome to the hood. Well, one day, Mr. Rogers just happened to be in New York and he decided I'm going to go over and meet this Eddie Murphy character who's been doing this imitation of me. 
And he comes in looking for Eddie, and Eddie just thinks he's in trouble. Oh, Mr. Rogers, I just love him. <laughs> and he says, I'll never forget, Mr. Rogers came in and gave me the biggest hug and told me, I appreciate you. Sometimes we don't, you see, he thought he was coming there to shame him. No, he wanted to tell him, I appreciate you, Eddie, and I love you. Sometimes you think you're so much in trouble with your parent that you don't understand they love you. And truly, they're not going to kill you just because you wrecked the car. <laughs> they might be thinking it, but I haven't met a child yet that's in the grave because of that. We need reminding. Paul says that in verse 17. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who reminds you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. What's he coming there? He's coming there to teach them and remind them of the ways of Christ. Because remember, Paul always said, I don't know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, if it wasn't for the cross, we wouldn't have a finished work. But the cross was a finished work, and we forget that. Jesus' own testimony tells us that. If we would just take those struggles to the cross and leave them there because Jesus already died for them. Take your passions. Take your lusts. Take your problems. Take your illness. Take your bank account. Take them to the cross and leave them there. As we were worshiping today, did it not dawn on us as we sang these songs that we do not belong to ourselves, but we belong to our Heavenly Father? <laughs> we don't belong to ourselves. He has Timothy come to remind them of where we have come from and where we are going. Wow. Where we have, we have come from a life of sin, we are now saved, and where are we going? To glory, to be with Jesus forevermore. And you know what? They face some tough times. Man, these aren't American Christians who get so comfortable. We're so comfortable. We sing, get all excited, go tell everybody. And we cheer, we get excited, happy. We get our happy on in church. And then we go outside and go, shh, don't get excited out here. They might see you. Why would I invite somebody to church? They might say no. So? You invite them to church anyway. They might say yes. My word, we saved $1,000 on gutters because we asked. We got 5% interest rate on our loan 
because I said to the banker, well, whatever you said earlier, you've been so kind to us. Whatever you think is right will be all right with us. Usually you don't negotiate that way. Came to the day we're going to sign 5% interest. You know what? We would have been charged 7% or 11% elsewhere. Sometimes we just have to ask as, like a Christian would. When negotiated with the gutters guys, I said, we're calling around, we're checking, we called up the Fargo. I already had a $3,000 price for gutters here, but we decided, well, let's check another, just a gutter company. I talked to them initially, and then I got them on the phone with Donnie next. And then the guy shows up here after talking to me and Donnie and sees in person what's going on. Next thing you know, we're saving $1,000. It'll cost us $2,036 to gutter our building. And we thanked him. And Donnie looked and said, thank you for doing this for this church. Because we're just a missions group. And we got to get that done. Thank you for being so kind. Between the two of us, we got it done. And boy, aren't those nice gutters. Of course, please tell your children, don't step on the downspouts. That part that goes out into the grass, we already got one that's dented. Can we not help our children to think? This place belongs to God. Shouldn't we take care of this place better than our house? And besides that, Mom, if we treat, make the children start treating God's house better, I'm talking about our teenagers and our little kids. If we start getting them to treat our God's house better, don't you think they're going to treat your furniture at home better? We hope. Robin used to have a nice couch years ago. And then her kids decided it was a trampoline. And she says, I have to get rid of this couch because when I sit on it, I fall to the floor. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago she had that. And my mother had to move into her other apartment and she didn't need a couch anymore, so we just took it over. And she says, oh, thank God I have a couch I can actually sit on and I'm not sitting on the floor. It comes up and meets me. <laughs> And let me tell you something. I don't care how short you are. When you go to sit down and it meets you, you're very grateful. Because, you know, they say the bigger you are, the harder you fall. No, it doesn't matter. When you're sitting down and you're expecting to have something meet you and it's not there, I don't care. You feel like you were 10 feet tall and you're still falling. He was sending Timothy there to teach them how to live. How we were taught to live by the word of God. They want us to change the way we believe. I just heard some nonsense this week. There's a thing going around with charismatics in the emerging church. 
that Paul's writing should be thrown out of the canon because he's a heretic. Yeah, that's what I said. What? Paul, because he calls sin, sin. Oh, don't do that. I guess we're going to have to throw out the book of Leviticus too. And most of the Old Testament. My word. It's the most ridiculous thing that you ever heard of. You know what it is? They don't know how we got our Bible and they don't read it. If they would read their Bible, they would see Paul agrees with everything that Christ said and Christ agrees with everything that Paul has to write about. And by the way, where do we learn about the cross from? Paul writes about it about the message of the cross all the way through and how the cross sets us free because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice on it. We don't worship the cross. We worship the one who hung on the cross, but it is where we go to be set free and to be sanctified and to live a holy life. Aren't you glad he met you at your crossroads? Mm. And then Paul goes on with his fatherly, loving advice here. He says, the last thing the church needs today is arrogance. Uh-oh. <laughs> Let's look what he says here in verse 18. Now some are puffed up. As though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills. And I will know, not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. But the power. You see, there's power in the gospel. You know, we've had too much of this over the last 25 years. Arrogance. That is what puffed up means. Puffed up in their own importance. See, kids, that's what your father's trying to get you to avoid is that you get so puffed up you don't see everything from all the angles. Revival comes only through humility. Revival's never going to come because we're bragging on ourselves. Oh, you can build churches today of... 10,000. I can go out and I got the books in my office. We just follow the books and then I can go to their seminars and come home with a notebook like this, do everything that they tell me to do. In fact, the book says I can use everything and quote, them, quote it like it's my own words. I have permission. Copy it off. Do what it says. I can do that and I can lose our identity in Christ. And uh, did I say that? Do it in a puffed up way. And another thing about puffed up is not just the problem with arrogance and being puffed up. There's not much there to it. Take a balloon, puff it up. All it takes is a pin to go pop. There's nothing real behind it. I want the real gospel. 
I want the, the church to grow because of real revival. I want the church to go because we embrace the truth of the gospel. It might be harder to build a church that way today, but I'd rather build it that way and, be, and know that we're all going to heaven than have people sitting in our congregation, Jason, that have been sitting there for six months to a year and they haven't even gotten saved and, they, and they're thinking, hmm, this gospel thing, it's interesting. Why that Jesus has some good things to say. <laughs> Watching a great thespian the other day. You might know him as Gordon Gordon. You may not even know who that is, and that's okay. But he's one of these great actors from England. And uh, he says, well, he writes books. It's in plays and movies. If you saw him, you know, oh, I know who that character is. But he said the other day, he said, well, I respect Jesus. I respect, he says, I love the church. I almost became a priest, he said, Anglican priest. I love church. I love the architecture. I love the music. I love the liturgy. It's so beautiful. It's like, you know, and he uses all that in his, you know, in his portrayal. He says, but I almost became a priest, but the, I got to meet with the bishop. And the bishop sat me down. And he asked me a simple question. Do you know Jesus Christ? And I said, no, I don't even believe in God. <laughs> Nobody up to this point had asked him. And he says, I still respect Christ and his word, and I still love the church, and I love the beauty, and I love the music, but I just haven't taken that next step. And I'm going, man, and this is something that Lorraine and I really like. To be that close, and not to go, it's like Agrippa. I call him almost Agrippa. He says to Paul, you almost persuade me. And he got up and he walked out of the room. How sad is that? All he had to do is surrender to Jesus. Let me tell you something. Jesus has died for you. All you have to do is believe in him and ask him to forgive you of your sins. And he'll come into your heart Jesus says, I'll come into you and sup with, with you. I'll sit down with you. We'll have a relationship. I will talk to you and you'll talk with me. Oh, put away your arrogance. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. Oh, do we surrender our lives to him? Do we? Paul, God's word is a matter of talk. God's word is not a matter of talk, but of power. Verse 20 says, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Power. Paul says, I don't know anything but Jesus Christ and him 
crucified. I didn't come in man's wisdom of speech. I came in fear and trembling and the power of the Holy Spirit. Preaching is not meant to be a motivational speech or a book report. But that is what most pulpits are giving today. I'm going to tell you about this guy named Jesus. I'm, wait a second, before I start talking about that, I'm going to give you a joke. A rabbi and a priest walked into a bar. And afterwards, somebody had to give them an ice pack for their heads. Yeah. yeah. They walked into a bar. Okay. Yeah, I didn't want to give you a typical, ridiculous, stupid joke. That was just, that wasn't even punny. Ah, <laughs> oh, there we go. I got somebody to laugh. It was a very, you know what? That was a bad joke. Yeah, dad, dad joke. yeah that was a dad joke, wasn't it? You want to hear a dirty joke? Oh, can you imagine a holiness preacher going to tell a dirty joke? Here it comes. A white horse fell into a mud puddle. Another dad joke. Actually, that's a four-year-old joke. Anyway. <laughs> you know how many jokes we've had to listen to our kids tell us? And we go, ha, ha, that was funny. And we're going, somebody help me. <laughs> The preaching of God's word comes with the anointing. And why is it powerful? Because it's the po very power to change lives. So, what do you want? Oh man, how, many, how often have you heard that phrase from a dad? What do you want? Hmm. It's the phrase every dad ends up using. Paul, Paul uses it. He says, what do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod? Or in love? And a spirit of gentleness? Do you want me to bring the rod? For you millennials out there, do you want me to bring out the board of education? We had one of those in our house. I understand Judy had one too. It was about this big, this wide, had a handle on it, had a piece of leather on the end so it could be hung in the closet. Yep. And it said right on there, board of education. And when you turned it over, it told you for when to use it. And boy, was it a lengthy list. <laughs> we got rid of our wiffle bats because mom wouldn't even go to find the Board of Education. She just grabbed one of those bats. Okay, let's go! I'll tell you what, the worst phrase in our house was when I was growing up wait till your father gets home. 
That was not a phrase we wanted to hear. Never mind, Mom, you just throw out the punishment. We will. <clears throat> My father was not a mean man. He did not beat us. But we never wanted to disappoint him. So when she says, when your I tell you what, you did not want to get in trouble at church because when you got home, oh my word, you would have a meeting with dad over our relationship with God and church. I remember Pastor Lutz's wife sat in our pew. I wish she would have sat someplace else. <laughs> when we got home, we had another lesson that day. Because we weren't perfect little angels. And we weren't that bad, but because pastor's wife sat with us. It didn't matter that we sat just three rows behind where pastor preached, and he could look down and see us. But she sat with us. Paul's asking, do you want love and a spirit of gentleness? Or do I need to bring out the rod? If you understand anything about shepherds, they had two sticks that they carried. One was a staff. And it had a hook on it to rescue the sheep. The other one was a rod. And the rod was used to correct the sheep. And so the Bible says, spoil the rod. I mean, spare the rod, spoil the child. The rod is the rod of correction. However, that does not mean the rod needs to be used to spank the child. The rod is used in many different ways. Paul says how the rod can be, it can be used in a spirit of love, in love and a spirit of gentleness. Where the child hears the correction and they correct their behavior. But when all else fails, the shepherd will use the rod on the sheep because sometimes sheep are just dumb. <laughs> yes. It is up to us how we respond to those words of wisdom and power. I don't like what you're saying, so I'm going to tune you out. I don't care if you're telling me the same thing as all the other old people in my life that are full of wisdom and the Spirit of God and discernment have been saying, and you end up saying the same thing to me. I'm just going to turn, tune you out and get upset because you're not get, telling me what I want to hear. But a father's love will tell you what you need to hear. And God the Father does that with us all the time. We don't always like it. Oh, but I like that girl so much. And my hormones are just raging. It could go the other way. I like that boy, he is so cute. I've been raised though. I gotta wait till marriage. But I want I want me first. And what a mess we have in the world today, isn't it? Yes. 
this country was so much better off when we used to try to put God first. You know how many unwed mothers there was back in the 50s and there was no abortion? So much smaller than today. Now about 40% of all babies. No, no, no. More than that. 40% of all babies in the poor communities amongst African-American women are aborted. And I might be low on that number. You know, back in the 50s, we didn't have that problem. <clears throat> Young men were more respectful for, of women back then. And women, well... You're not getting the cow for free. Now don't go ahead. I'm Facebook today. Pastor called me a cow. I can't believe he did that. Uh, I can't believe it. How judgmental he was calling me a cow. I did not call you personally. That's an old phrase. And I think a woman coined it way back when. Jeff Dunham says he's always afraid he's going to tell that one joke that's going to end his career. (laughs) Because people have no sense of humor anymore. It's sad. And by the way... A young man might have been here today. I can't believe Pastor says we have no control and we don't respect women. I respect them all the time. (laughs) You know, the problem is just like every generation, we hear what we want to hear. And that's every generation. And by the way, you know, we need to be reaching the millennials and the Zers. But you know that 50% of boomers don't go to church? 50% of boomers don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do we have work to do or what? We need, to be, we need to be concerned with every generation. And every generation, my word, if it wasn't for the boomers, we wouldn't have much of the messes we have today. Ouch. Who gave us Woodstock? Yeah, who were, who were all those kids? You know, the, you know what the fun thing is? I love to read. Millennials are just like the boomers back then. It's just all of a sudden the boomers woke up and had to become adults. And I can't wait to see this, what this generation's going to do when they do. And they settle down. And they figure it out. But it's the church going to be there for them to help them in that part of the journey. How are we going to be reaching them?
language, the message of the cross? Are we going to continue reaching out to baby boomers who are retiring at an extraordinary rate every day and going into nursing homes? Are we going to keep out trying to reach them? Are we going to reach these Zers who are more conservative than their grandparents when it comes to money? Or are we just going to go ahead and say, mm, I'm not going to get all excited and go tell everybody. But we need to take the message of the cross to them. And sometimes it's going to have to be done with love and a spirit of gentleness. And other times it's going to take the rod. Hmm. Can, I, can I just tell you, and this has nothing to do with generations, just, just people being stupid. Can you imagine? Here you are, a preacher of the gospel, and you've been preaching, and you prophesied that Trump was going to become president, and you decided to go to his inauguration. You pull up in front of the hotel, you get out of the vehicle to go inside to check in, and you look up at the TV monitors, and there's a limousine that brought you to the hotel from the airport on fire. And the limo driver happened to get hit in the head with a, with a brick. And the limo's on drive, and then you look and say, my word, that was my car. Now you would think the man would say, oh, you know what, I'm going to back off and not talk too much. I'll just preach in my little church and, and keep quiet. I've been preaching there for 30 years and they all love me. I'll just preach in my church. No, he hasn't. He says, I must be doing something right that the devil is so mad. And then he got upset. He says, I feel sorry. That was not my car. That car was owned by a nice Hispanic man that I know. And my driver, he was Arabic. Wait, this does not compute. Why would they take it out on, because I came for Trump's inauguration, on a Hispanic I thought these people were supposed to be for all these minorities. It doesn't make sense. Sin never makes sense. But you know what he didn't do? That got him excited to preach louder about Jesus Christ. What would we do if all of a sudden we got out of our car at Walmart and walked in and somebody was mad because we talked about Jesus and burnt our car up? Would that intimidate us? Or would we say, no, I'm going to preach even louder. I'm going to preach even more. Because you know what? I know I'm disturbing the devil. And if I'm disturbing the devil, <laughs> somebody's hearing about Jesus. Because he never gets upset unless people are hearing about Jesus and coming to know him. So let's get excited. Let's go tell everybody. My word, I can't wait. to. Oh, I, just want to I just want God to use tiny She's got the gift of gab. I think it's in here someplace, the spiritual gift of gab. Right? I can't wait to start seeing God really using Jeremy more. I can't wait to see God use Hal. Yes, you! I think, I think they should drop you off at the senior center every day and you can sit in there and hold court. My word, with your sense of humor, next thing you could tell them about Jesus, or at least fight them to church. My word, they wouldn't be intimidated by you at all. They would just sit down. Hey, who are you? I'm Hal. What do you know? I don't know much but Jesus. Oh, I can tell you how to make a cookie. 
But the thing I know is about Jesus. What do you mean? Well, he saved me. What are you talking about? He saved me. He came into my heart. He forgave me of my sins. Man. And he still loves me, and I'm still a rascal. I'm still a rascal, aren't you? I mean, look at that shirt you're wearing. And I want us to get bold. My word, I would love to go to the park and have stuff going on in the park where we're witnessing to people in the park. What are you talking about? Well, my word. Set stuff up. I don't know. It doesn't have to be vacation Bible school. We can get a bunch of bouncy houses. Put them up in the park and Robin can make 200 cupcakes. Hey, you, you don't know what she can do when she puts her mind to it. And Tiny could be running around in clown paint, entertaining the kids. Right? I mean, come on, think about it. What can we do to get people's attention? And then because we got their attention, we can then... You know, give them Jesus. Give them the love of Christ. Isn't that better than having to go later on with a rod because they've given themselves over to the Antichrist spirit that's alive in the world? You know? Oh, by the way, moms, you don't have to throw away and I'll close with this. You don't have to throw away those stained t-shirts anymore. You don't have to do it. You take a permanent marker and you outline the stain. Okay? And then on the shirt, you just give it a random island name. And now you've got a brand new shirt everybody thinks is from an island someplace. <laughs> Come on, I think about that. Not a bad idea. Every guy here is going, yeah! I was eating barbecue the other day in my favorite t-shirt and I ruined it. I know exactly what I'm going to do now. You see, God repurposed your life, too, when he got you saved. You were all stained up and messed up. The only difference is he can actually get the stain out. And, he repur and you know what he does? He writes across you, saved. Saved. Bought with the blood. And isn't that awesome? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the, your word today. We thank you for this word of encouragement. And Lord, I love it, Lord. Usually it's so easy to preach a Mother's Day message because there's all sorts of things about moms in there. But Lord, to actually come across this passage written as though it's from a dad. And the awesome thing about Paul, Lord, is he never had physical children of his own, but he had all these spiritual kids. And Lord, to be able to see him write 
from a dad's perspective to his children. And Lord, more than that, it's from you, Heavenly Father, because it's really your perspective to your children here on earth. Help us, Lord, to understand that you must much rather use gentleness and a spirit of love. And Lord, I want to say something I forgot to say in the sermon. Lord, that rod is also used in love. Because the rod is used to correct in love so that we correct our path so that we don't get in further trouble. Lord, we thank you. We praise you that you love us so much that you correct us. Lord, help us to listen to you. And we thank you for our earthly dads that you gave us, Lord. We praise you in the precious name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, if you've been listening to this at home and you haven't asked Jesus into your heart, what are you waiting for? All you have to do is say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I want to belong to you forevermore. And if you just say those simple words, you'll be a child of God. Now, for those at home, just send us, just go ahead, send us a note. Say that you did that. Say, uh, if you're listening online today or on your phone, just send us a quick message saying, Hi, I prayed that prayer today. And we want to send you something. We want to send you a gift to celebrate that you know Jesus. We want to send you a movie about Jesus that will really touch your heart. All you have to do is go to office at wapitinnewlife.org. Office at wapitinnewlife.org. Wapitinnewlife.org. And um, we will get the message and uh, we will get that off in the mail to you. But all you have to do, but don't forget to let us know where you live and so we can send that to you and we'll pay for the postage you don't don't we don't we're not asking anything from you except you just let us know you prayed that prayer with us today and we want to bless your life with that movie and um, it'll be a blessing to you and then you can show it to your you'll have something you can show to your friends and so um, we're glad that you joined us today and uh, praise the Lord. And remember, folks, those people that you invite to church and you give them to come, we'll give them a free movie too. You know, that's how, my word. Karen went ahead and said, pastor's giving out this free movie, but you've got to come to church. She had her whole row filled up that one week. Pastor, they came for the movie. I had to run back to the office. Here you go. I felt like I was dealing cards. And it was so awesome. And so keep inviting people to church. Keep on, if you need more cards, please go to the, I got them on the table out here. If they are not enough there, um, go to the office. We have plenty of them. Please keep inviting people to come to church. Amen. Um, it's the least we can do to share the gospel with others. Amen. So praise God. Do you know we only got one more birthday up coming up this month? And it's Samuel.